Welcome to the uh, Buddhism in the Twelve Steps class, the th- our third week, our third gathering. And you know, as I was looking at uh, notes and things uh, to talk about tonight, I was just once again struck by how uh, little time we have and, and that uh, I wish I could really spend uh, more time on on each of these steps and, and so many different ideas within the steps. And I, I guess one of the things that surprised me when I was, after I wrote my first book, One Breath at a Time, I, I sort of, when it came out, I kind of breathed out after a long time of uh, working on it and said to myself, well, I'm not going to want to talk about this for a long time. You know, I'm kind of, I'm over the 12 steps. I've kind of like put everything I know into this. And and instead, I, just the opposite has happened over these last 10 years. Instead, I find that the steps keep keep giving. <laughs> uh, and as the phrase from the uh, 12-step literature says, more will be revealed. And, and there is that sense for me that... Uh, I don't know whether things are revealed, but it's much more, I guess, to me, like more connections will be made. And, uh, I'm always making connections. and So I don't want you to get the idea that what we're doing in these six weeks is, you know, what you should do or this, or this is what you should think about, but rather this is just one time through the steps together and exploring certain ideas and I think that uh, each of us can uh, you know continue in an ongoing way to find uh, a wealth of inspiration and guidance in in this exploration and and obviously for me it's not the steps it's really Buddhism and the steps and I, I love that connection uh, I was listening to a Dharma talk from Ajahn Amaro yesterday and uh, he's a Theravadan monk who is English, but he's uh, you know, ordained in a Thai forest tradition. And he was talking about one of these kind of far-out teachings. It's called Transcendental Dependent Origination, which is just about um, how you go from suffering to happiness, basically, or to freedom. You know, from the from the clutches of of uh, addiction, we could say, to the liberation of recovery. And it's a teaching I'm familiar with, but there was something about the way he something he said and something or something about the way I heard it that something connected again for me. And and this is what he said that that this. This this is another, happens to be twelve stages uh, that we can go through. The first stage is suffering, and what he said and what the Buddha says. But but uh, Ajahn Amaro explained it more than the Buddha did. He said when we are caught in some kind of suffering, there can be a moment when we have the realization that there must be a way out. You know, that this can't be the only way it is. And that that insight leads us to the second stage of transcendental dependent origination, which is the arising of faith, that there's a way out. And that was all he talked about. He didn't go through this whole teaching. But, you know, it's like another one of those, duh. He just talked about step one and step two. Step one is our recognition of suffering and that this is, you know, we're in this situation that's a mess. But, and step two is realizing, wait, you know, if there's this problem, 
and as it's depicted in the steps, if I'm powerless, then there must be. If I'm powerless, then there must be some power. But, but as I've talked about, you know, the larger arc of it is just that there's suffering, and there must be a way out. We, and and that we believe that there's a way out. So once again, I was just struck by how this ancient Buddhist teaching parallels our our recovery program, and and how I guess for me how remarkable that is, and. and that again, I'm kind of like, I'm both surprised and reassured. It's like, oh, wow, really? Because that's a pretty, as I say, you know, transcendental dependent origination is not a teaching you hear about every day. It's kind of, I could say it's an advanced teaching or more of an, it's not esoteric in the sense of being hidden, but it's a little um, off the beaten path. It's not, you know, the Four Noble Truths and the Five Hindrances that you always hear about. It's, it's an, so to, to see once again that connection just, uh, you know, it just excites me and, and, and inspires me. But uh, as I say, that it, it also makes me realize how much there is to explore potentially in these, in these teachings. So the idea tonight is to get into steps step three for sure and maybe even step four but i doubt we'll make it i just i don't know because um, i always want to leave plenty of time for meditation too and i have a nice meditation for us to do tonight just let me clean my glasses these these are new glasses and they're so big there's so much landscape to cover on them that they take a lot of time to clean so, um, if you got the uh, homework, <laughs> I don't even like calling it that. I should call it something else. Anyway, the handout. There's no free lunch, so it can't be a handout. Uh, you'll see that I'm suggesting a practice here called gatas. Uh, this, is, this is a practice that comes from Thich Nhat Hanh, the Zen teacher, uh, Vietnamese Zen teacher. Um, I'm sure many of you are familiar with him. Wonderful teacher. Um, And I find this to be one of the most pleasant practices, one that, uh, you know, I've found and many people have told me they've found to be something that really makes meditation a little easier. And... um, I think it helps us with our concentration in a non-effortful way, which I think is always good. Um, so this practice uh, uses five sets of phrases, and each one kind of represents one breath. So um, one word goes for each breath, or in the case of the last phrase, two words go for each breath. And so we say the words to ourselves silently and we pay attention to the sensation of the breath. So there's two things going on that are, we're trying to focus on, a sensation and these words. So the, the, the effect of that is to often, it kind of captures the attention. That's kind of the idea. If you can get a practice that captures your attention, then your mind can kind of settle into that and be less likely to wander. Uh, and so this is, uh, strictly speaking, a concentration practice, which means that we're not, whereas last week I was suggesting that you work with noting, this week we're going to, uh, everybody didn't get their hand out. Uh, this week we're going to sort of drop the noting and just come, whenever the mind wanders, just come right back to the breath. So there are two ways to do this practice. One is to use one phrase for one breath and cycle through the five phrases every five breaths, just to keep going in, out, deep, slow, calm, ease, spiral, release, present moment, wonderful moment, in, out, deep, slow, so that um, you're changing phrase each breath. And if you're doing the practice on your own, uh, 
you can try doing it that way. Um, that's usually the way I do it when I'm practicing alone. But I like to guide it, guide it where we will work with just one phrase for a few minutes and just kind of move through them little by little. And, and um, so I'll be kind of with you and holding your hand as I like to do, well, figuratively. So there's too many hands out there and that would just be creepy anyway. So, um, yeah, so let's begin, and I'll, uh, I'll take you through this. Just settling into your posture. Gently closing your eyes or just lowering the gaze if you're more comfortable having your eyes open. And having a sense of arriving, really coming into the body, coming into the present moment, letting the cares and concerns of the day fall away as you settle in to a comfortable, stable posture, relaxed and alert. And I recommend working with the breath at the nostrils for this practice. If that's not workable, you can always pay attention to the breath in the belly. So bringing your attention to the sensations of the in-breath and the out-breath. Feeling those sensations just as they are, not trying to control the breath or your experience. Letting the body breathe naturally and letting your awareness rest with the sensations of that breath. And then beginning to just repeat in and out silently with the in-breath and the out-breath. So the words are soft in the back of the mind. Well, the sensations and that awareness is in the foreground. In, out. Feeling the sensations and repeating the words with the breath, in, out.
Anytime you notice your mind has wandered, just come right back to the breath and the words. bringing a quality of ease and simplicity to your practice. In, out. And now we'll move to the second set of words. Breathing in, say deep. Breathing out, slow. Deep, slow. The words connecting with the sensations of breath. You don't have to change your breath or breathe deeper or slower. Although sometimes that will happen naturally. The main thing is to just stay with these two things at once, the sensations of breath and the words repeated with them. Deep, slow. Stay connected to the sensations, the touch feeling of the air entering and leaving the body. The words coming along with those sensations, helping you to stay on track. Deep slow.
Don't cling to the breath or the words. Let's see if you can simply enjoy being with this simple practice. Deep, slow. Now moving to the next set of words. Breathing in calm, breathing out ease. Calm, ease. Feeling the breath as sensation. Letting the words track along with the breath. Calm, ease. Staying with the breath as pure sensation, repeating the words, calm, ease.
Now moving to the next set of words. Breathing in, smile. Breathing out, release. Smile, release. Feeling the sensations of breath. Letting the words come along with the breath. And here, many people find it helpful to smile. Not a forced smile, but just a gentle turning up the corners of the mouth. If that feels comfortable and natural, you can allow that. But I wouldn't recommend it as a discipline. Just enjoy. Breathing in, smile. Breathing out, release. Feeling the breath, repeating the words, smile, release.
And now moving to the final set of words, breathing in present moment, breathing out wonderful moment, present moment, wonderful moment, feeling the breath, repeating the words. present moment, wonderful moment. Seeing that when the mind is present, we see the wonder in each moment. With the simplicity of breath, Staying with the breath and the words. Present moment, wonderful moment. Connected to the sensations here and now.
Now letting go of the words. Letting the mind be open and spacious, receptive. Effortless meditation. Just enjoying the present moment. So I'd be interested to hear um, how that went for people, if, uh, if anybody would be willing to share. 
Was that helpful? Did it? Are there any questions? Over here. Thank you. Well, I guess it really made me think about how the present moment is always changing. You know, it's just one right after another, and you get to start over, over and over and over again. And then some of the words on the inhale I thought were very calming. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when I was taking in calm Mm -hmm. with the in-breath, I was kind of picturing my body filling with calmness. Mm -hmm. Um, So... It's very relaxing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Did anyone else find it relaxing? It, this practice can be excessively relaxing, so that if you find yourself falling asleep, you want to maybe do something else. Yeah. This is one I think I got from one of your early books. So I use this a lot in my own meditation. Uh-huh. And one of the things I think it also shows is that idea that if you bring a thought into your mind or a stimulus into your mind, it helps create that. And yeah. So I always find, you know, when the smile, you just start smiling. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, in the last one, I use mudita instead. Uh-huh. And yes. that sense of joyfulness and, and that kind of although we want to just be present with whatever it is, Mm -hmm. that in fact, when we kind of put our attention in those kind of ways, we do create different states. And it's very powerful, I think. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, that's that's a great observation and 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 an important one, right? Because it really, because it can work either way, depending upon what we put into our minds. And, uh, you know, anybody who's ever gone on a, you know, a silent retreat of any length knows that a lot of stuff that you've put into your mind that you may have forgotten about will come back to visit. And if it isn't good, it can be disturbing. And even just stuff that you consider neutral, like music. I mean, as a musician, I can get on a retreat and it's just it's just playing constantly. And it's And, of course, then there's a certain point where it's like, you know, it's not, that's not a problem unless I make it a problem. But usually at some point I make it a problem because <laughs> it's like, stop that song, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, a phrase the Buddha uses to describe what happens as you master practice. Because you become a master of the courses of thought uh, that that you start to be able to guide your own thinking rather than just as we usually do kind of find ourselves just caught up in some stream of of thoughts flowing through once in a while intervening you know to think about what we should make for dinner but the rest of the time just letting it go you know and and uh so yeah um whatever's in there i've seen james barras do an exercise where he just says okay just say Close your eyes and say, hate, and then feel how that feels. And then I'll say, love, and feel how that feels. And yeah, it's, it's remarkable, the power of language, uh, how it, it's so wired into us that it kind of works both ways. Uh, you know, that, that uh, an idea can come up that triggers a feeling, or we can decide intentionally to bring an idea in. And of course, this is, there's a lot of practices that depend, so, I don't know, a lot, but there are practices that depend solely on this, and, I, and practices like visual, visualization or mantra or affirmation can, all are kind of drawing on this. You know, from a mindfulness standpoint, there's, uh, you know, uh, there's limits, there's limits to the value of simply trying to keep putting pleasant stuff into your mind. It's not, and obviously that's not what this practice is about. But, but I do think that this, you know, you might notice that I'm offering this technique a week after I offered you the noting technique, which is almost the opposite, which is purely observing what's in your mind and being very clear about what's just arising 
uh, you know, in a um, without any effort or uh, control of, on your part. And so, what I'm getting at in offering these different teachings is that we we kind of want to balance these types of practices. That that um, what you want to do as you get deeper into a meditation practice is you want to have a, a set of tools and then you want to see, start to understand which tools are applicable and which are useful at during what circumstances. So that um, you, know, you can step back and just observe and note, wow, there's this stuff is just coming up. And I, wow, there's anger or there's you know, anxiety, and those are just thoughts. Those and have that objective view, and then the other. But then the other times, sometimes just to really bring in something positive or, or uh, something that really focuses the mind uh, through that kind of an effort. So there are different forms of effort, uh, really, and uh, and different practices. And it's it's as I've said, uh, you know, I don't promote a single form of practice because I don't think a single form of practice works for all people in all situations. So it's your responsibility to kind of learn your mind, learn your practice, develop your practice, use the tools. You know, you can use meditation in there are ways to to use it as an escape or a, or a feel-good uh, practice and um, you know, that's something we have to look out for that, but we can also use it as a way to beat ourselves up. Oh, look, I'm so judgmental, or I'm so, all, you know, every time I note something, I'm, it's because I'm angry, or, and, and then start going, well, I'm so bad because I'm angry all the time. Oh, look, I'm even angry at myself for being angry, and, and sort of pile on. So, uh, really important to find a balance in all of this. So I encourage you, you know, again, I would encourage you to take this practice and try it for a week. See how it works. This was my main practice for several years. Um, and, and it's good when you find a practice that, that's useful for you, it's good to do it for a few years. Um, to really take it to the limits and see where you get stuck with it. And pretty much every practice... It's kind of like relationships. You know how, I was actually just writing about this today, how relationships tend to, we, we tend to have patterns in relationships and we tend to get to a wall where it's like, and when you're younger, or maybe, and this is my story, so when I was younger, I would get to that wall and then I would break up because like I couldn't get through that or I couldn't deal with that. And eventually I realized, oh, that's not them, you know, it's not the person, it's me, or it's, or it's relationship. Uh, and if I want, you know, a long-term relationship, I have to somehow find a way to deal with this wall. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and the same thing will happen with meditation. You know, you'll find a practice, oh, I love this practice, you know, you'll love it for a while, and then you'll, like, hit a wall with it. Oh, well, maybe, I, maybe I'll try another practice. Oh, this is a great practice, I'll do this, and then you'll hit a wall with it, and after a while you realize it's the same wall, right? And that all practices lead to that, and that you have to, to, to go deeper, you have to get through that wall through, which, through one practice or another. Um, so I hope you like that little metaphor or simile or whatever it is, comparison. So any other uh, thoughts or questions before we take a little break? Okay. So let's take five or seven or nine or, and we'll ring a bell in a few minutes. Please greet your neighbors. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.